we um, have got these values which uh, typify us as a church, which are um, both the reality of where we're at at the moment and are also aspirational about the kind of church that we want to be, the kinds of things that we want to characterise us as a community. And so over the next, uh, this week, and then we're pausing it for the missionaries next week, and then the two weeks after that, we're going to be working through these. And we've actually got different members of the church community sharing around each one of these values. And so you're going to hear two a Sunday. Um, They're only going to be fairly short, um, brief messages. They'll get up. We'll get to hear from two different people each Sunday around two of the different values. Uh, This is important stuff because these are the things that we say, this is what we, um, this is how we engage with one another. This is our culture as a community. And so I'd encourage you to listen into these, to consider them, um, to think about them as we go. Um, and, and it's going to be a lot of fun, I think, as we hear from the heart of different people in the church. So I'm going to welcome Beth, who's going to come and share um, first up. Oh, good morning, everybody. It's so nice to be back together um, face to face. And it's just so nice to be able to worship together and really be refreshed. And it's Really nice, especially so relevant today because the church value that I'll be talking about is belonging. So it's really nice that we're back today and starting with this one. So what is belonging? Um, The dictionary says belonging is a sense of fitting in or feeling that you are a valued member of a group. And their example was a really close family giving each members a strong sense of belonging. And this sense of belonging is a really known human desire Christian and non-Christian researchers have both acknowledged that it's one of the main motivations behind our actions. Um, Many of you would have heard of Maslow's hierarchy of needs. In 1943, Maslow proposed a list of needs that explains people's motivations in life. And the first is their physiological needs. So this is like breathing, water, sleep, those sorts of basic things. I mean, if you weren't able to breathe, I'm pretty sure that would be the first thing on your mind and nothing else would really be cutting in on that. Um, The second is safety. So this is a feeling that you are safe, that you have shelter, that there's law and order wherever you are. And then the third is love and belonging. So once you do feel like your basic needs are met and you feel safe, then the next thing you're looking for is a sense of love and belonging. And you can see this, um, many people have moved to Canberra or lived somewhere else previously. Canberra is such a transient city. Um, And when you go to a new place, you'll find that, you know, the first few things you're organising are where are you going to sleep? Where are you going to eat? How are you going to pay for these things? So you have a house and all those sorts of things. And then after that, you build your community. So you might find a local church. You might meet the neighbours, join a sporting group, something like that go out with some people from work and start building up those connections. And this need to belong is scripture-based. God has ensured that we, as his people, have our needs met. So in the Old Testament, the Israelites had a strong sense of belonging to their social groups. You had the tribes of Levi, Judah, Dan, and all those. And then in the New Testament, when Jesus came and broke down those social groups, making it clear that his ministry was for everyone, including the Gentiles and the non-Jewish people, he didn't just leave them there. He then established his church and the importance of his church, once again providing for their need to belong. And most importantly, this 
our value of belonging doesn't just cover belonging um, in that general sense, but also belonging to God. God has not just developed these social groups um, through his church, but we also belong to him. And this is such an important description of belonging in the Bible. There are so many passages um, describing this, but the first one I'll go through is John 10, verses 26 to 27. Uh, Jesus said to the Pharisees, You do not believe because you do not belong to my sheep. My sheep hear my voice. I know them and they follow me. So in this passage, Jesus is describing his disciples as his sheep who belong to him, who hear him and who follow him. And in John 15 verses 4 and 5, he says, Remain in me as I also remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. So this image of a vine and its branches just really clearly depicts our reliance on God, our belonging to God, our places with him, you know, as the branches. We are the, he is the vine. And these two passages um, really show that we no longer belong to ourselves. Once we've accepted God, we don't belong to ourselves anymore, but to something bigger. So once we are a part of God's family, you know, we've all kind of accepted we're all here now. We've got to the point where we've kind of accepted that God is our God and we've come here and we want to belong to something more, something he's part of his church. Um, from here, he's ensured that we have this community. So this is our church and this is God's church and belonging to God also means belonging to his people. We belong to each other as well. So in Romans 12 verses 4 and 5, he says, For just as each of us has one body with many members, and these members do not all have the same function, so in Christ we, though many, form one body and each member belongs to all the others. So first we belong to Christ and then we belong to each other. And we don't all do the same thing or have the same skills, but we all work together for God. So this is such a gift God has given us as Christians. When Adam and I moved to Sydney for a couple years, once we'd established where to live and all that sort of thing, we um, found a local church and it was very similar. We were greeted by a range of friendly people that we hung out afterwards. We had this automatic friendship group, an instant community of like-minded people. We came in, became involved. We had a sense of purpose. Um, and I also had university friends. Adam had friends from work. But church just provided this secure community that we were able to belong to and be a part of. So belonging is one of our church values. And it's so important that we all as a church strive to create a culture of belonging so Simon can't be the one that just says, great, belonging's our value, and he tries to just impress that sense on you all. We actually all have to do something about this to create a church that has a really strong sense of belonging. So how do we actually establish this in our church? How do we all make this our value? And that's where we come to Ephesians 4, verse 3. And it says... 
Make every effort to keep yourselves united in the spirit, binding yourselves together with peace. So make every effort. I'm really sorry. (laughs) Unfortunately, that does not sound like it's really easy. Just the word effort sounds exhausting. I'm already exhausted. And making every effort places so much expectation on each of us to actually do something, to act, whether that's in forgiveness or whether that's encouraging each other. It's a very active verse. Make every effort. And unfortunately, I don't know if you've noticed, but people aren't perfect. So just because Christians might have completed step one and we say, great, I belong to God now, that doesn't mean that we're magically suddenly Christ-like. We strive for it, but we do fall short. And it's this failing that can make it really difficult for us to get along perfectly and support each other. So there's also this idea that because we're Christians and you know you meet other Christians and they know the right thing to do, that, that when they do something wrong, when they do fall short, it feels even worse. Uh, Have you ever, I'm sure you've read comments online or articles complaining about someone uh, and then saying, and they're Christian. What a hypocrite. And so the problem we have here is that we are Christians, but we aren't perfect. And sometimes, despite all our good intentions, we do mess up. And this is where this verse comes in, to make every effort, to bind ourselves in the spirit. Um, to keep ourselves united in the spirit and bind ourselves together with peace. And this isn't just when we personally stuff up, but if, you know, you're friends with someone who's made a mistake, you know, making sure we're still at peace with them, making sure we're forgiving them. It isn't just on the person that's made the mistake, but on everybody. So whether this is being encouraging to others, quick to forgive and slow to anger, or just accepting of each other's differences, or finding times in our busy lives to support each other, The things that demonstrate our love for God and our love for each other is not the way that we perfectly and without a single mistake follow God. But instead, it's how we move past these things together, making every effort to keep ourselves united. So doing these things and moving on and having peace in our church will really increase our sense of belonging to each other and to God. It will really increase our relationship with him and to each other. So just to summarise, what I've gone through today is really we belong to God first and that's, I guess, why we're here and then we're belonging to each other and to maintain those relationships, we really have to make every effort. So putting in, acting. All right, let's pray just before I hand over to Adam. Lord God, I thank you that we are here today. I thank you that we are able to be here face to face despite all that is happening in the world and out in the city. And I thank you that we can meet and talk about you and worship you and develop this relationship with each other and with you, Lord God. I pray that our church can be a church that values belonging, that has a really strong sense of belonging, that we can have a strong sense of being united together in peace. I pray that our church will encourage and support our belonging to you, Lord God, and to each other. And I just pray that we can move through any difficulties that we end up facing together and that we'll all work together in peace. Amen. Good morning, everyone. You get lots of wags this morning, so good to enjoy. 
It's funny, actually, for the last couple of years, all my presentations that I've been doing have been at work and they've all been video conference. And so this feels a little bit weird. So if everyone could just make a box <laughs> around their head, it would just make me feel a lot more comfortable. <laughs> Thanks for that. Now, isn't it great to be back together again in person, even though we're outside, which actually is quite lovely. It's really nice out here. And we'll just pray for great weather every Sunday for a little while. But the value I'm talking about today is um, generosity. And as a church, we are a generous people and we're working on becoming more and more generous. And we're a church that desires to be known by its generosity. It's something about, it's something that we want people to describe us when they join. We want them to say, hey, we were blown away by Horizon. What such generous people. But what does generosity mean? What does it mean for us to actually be a generous people? And so let's start with the Bible, which is always a good place to start. And, and doing some research this week, there's lots and lots of verses directly about generosity, all the way through the Old and New Testaments. And they're mostly describing giving to the poor, to missions, to the temple and the church. And it's always confronting to read Paul's directives on giving. He's very, very blunt. In fact, I suspect if he preached in many churches today, people would be tutting and shaking their heads and saying, oh, you can't say that, can't say that in church. But if we, I think the verse that represents what we mean for our church as Horizon best is from Jesus' sermons. And it's in Luke chapter 6, verse 37 to 38, which hopefully is coming up. Awesome. Do not judge others and you will not be judged. Do not condemn others or will all come back against you. Forgive others and you will be forgiven. Give and you will receive. Your gift will return to you in full, pressed down, shaken together to make room for more, running over and poured into your lap. The amount you give will determine the amount you get back. I think the context of this verse just describes the holistic nature of generosity, a generous people so well. And I think the concept of giving, the concept of being generous actually is just an extension of how we interact with each other as people and as a community. And so let's look a little deeper, though we don't have a lot of time left this morning. I just love the progression of concepts in this verse, starting from a passive observer standing on the sidelines to an active, involved, committed, generous partner. Firstly, the verse says, do not judge others. And you know, we all know this means... This doesn't mean we shouldn't use discernment, we shouldn't be wise and sensible, but you've all met the judgy people. Hopefully no one here, but you have met these people. They stand on the sidelines and they helpfully point out the flaws and failures of other people. They're never involved in helping or building up. Secondly, the verse says, do not condemn. And look, these people might be a little bit more active, but they're still unfortunately pronouncing others guilty. And as per any good instruction, the Bible just doesn't say, don't do this, don't do this. It says, here's what you need to do. And next in the verse, Jesus says, forgive others and you will be forgiven. And what a great community that would be, which is what we have here and what we're growing into more and more. One that doesn't judge each other, but forgives each other when we inevitably fall short and let people down. But Jesus goes further. He doesn't want us just to passively forgive and forget. The very next verse says, give in this context. He next says, forgive, and then he says, give. And he wants us, even to the other people around us, the people that could be judged, the people that possibly deserve condemnation, the people that have done us wrong, the people that we have to forgive, he wants us to give. He wants us to be involved in their lives, to be gracious and to be generous of spirit, to give of ourselves to each other. 
And like I said, you could talk about this for weeks and weeks. And in fact, I'm, so, I'm very passionate about this topic. But we don't have a long time left. So a couple of things that I think this looks like for us as Horizon Church. And one of the great things I think as a church and a community is we get to grow and explore these things together and learn what it means for us and make mistakes and, and shift and change and figure out what Christ really wants in our lives. But for me, as a church, we are generous of spirit. We give each other the benefit of the doubt. We forgive and reconcile with each other. We give each other more chances than is reasonable. And we get involved in each other's lives, not in a busybody way, but as a friend and a partner and a support. And we're generous of our time and resources. So we give our time and energy to each other and to the mission of the church to spread God's word in the community. And we give freely of our money and resources to support the needy and to support the work of God that Horizon is doing. And how good is it that we're already doing this as a church and also that we're continuing to strive to be more and more generous? And like I said, that's a community that I really want to be a part of, a community that is generous of spirit and generous in everything we do and how we relate to each other in how we love each other and how we help each other and how we forgive each other. And as you can see, I'm really keen that we see generosity as a value that infects our entire lives and underpins our relationships with each other and not just about money as it often is described. However, um, unfortunately, we can't just ignore money and resources when talking about generosity. Why not? Well, having looked through lots and lots of verses on generosity, it comes up over and over again in the Bible. God doesn't want us to ignore it. But also because it's hard. The Bible warns us strongly about the love of money. And it always feels like, I don't know about you guys, but I spend everything I get if I'm not careful at all. And it also feels really private and personal. It feels a bit icky talking about money. In fact, I used to work at the Australian Bureau of Statistics, or you might know it as the ABS. And there I was told by the people that collected these, the data and the surveys, the most false information the ABS got had to do with how much people earned and how much money they had. That was where they thought people gave them the most false information based on other sources, even more so than things you'd expect like responses to health surveys, including ones that had to do with abuse, still got more false information about money. It's just, it's just a really interesting topic. But it's not, don't just talk about it because it's hard. We have to talk about it because a generous people are generous with everything. And you can't be generous if you're stingy and spun part of your life. But what does being generous with money and our resources mean? And again, we could spend ages studying this topic. There's a whole series in it and there's heaps of nuance and meaning. But a couple of things that I think really are really meaningful to me. Firstly, we need to be aware of the needs for others. We need to be looking out to how we can support and help other people. Proverbs 19 verse 17, amongst many other verses covering this topic, says, Whoever is generous to the poor lends to the Lord, and he will repay him for his deed. And in fact, looking again through this topic, so many reminders through the Bible that everything we have, the gifts, the blessings we receive, in fact, all of creation around us already belongs to God. And he wants us to treat it as stewards, using it for his glory, and not as owners trying to build more and more gain for ourselves. And I heard this challenge once, which I kind of like, and I kind of find it awfully challenging. And uh, it says, when we're talking about our money and how we give to other people and give to the church, the question is not how much we should give, but how much we dare keep when we consider everything as being God's already. 
But the best thing, and just quickly, the last point in this section is really goes back to something Paul says in 2 Corinthians chapter 9. And it's about we give cheerfully. We don't give because we feel pressure or compulsion. We don't give out of guilt because that's just legalism and that's not generosity. And then Paul makes it really clear in 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verses 6 to 7. Remember this, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly and whoever sows generously will also reap generously. Each of you should give what you have decided in your heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. How good is this? It's so clear. Pray about what we should be giving to others, giving to the church, whatever it is. Pray, listen to God, and then just do it cheerfully. And how good is that? And again, thinking about the, what a great church and community we are and we are becoming. And it's a place I love to be. Every, uh, and people I love to hang out with and be around because it's a people that is generous to each other in everything we do. Generous in love, forgiveness, support and encouragement and generous with the resources that God has given us. We're ready. We're looking out for those in need and we're ready to help and to bless them. We're ready to generously and cheerfully give what God has laid on our hearts so the church can thrive and reach and bless the communities, reach and bless our community and also through our missionaries who we get to meet in person for the first time, the whole world. So finally, and to, to close off this morning, what's God's response to our generosity? How does He see and respond? And firstly, I think we don't actually need a response from God. The fact that we know being a generous people is what He wants us to do is enough. But God knows it can be hard. It can be hard to be generous in spirit. It can be hard to forgive it can be hard to support and help others. And he's made it clear that he responds to generosity in a very specific way, a way that blesses us. And you've seen it in a few of these verses. I haven't commented on it, but God's response has been clear in every single verse we've read today. And, and don't get me wrong, I'm not saying that we give to others because we want to get back or the purpose of generosity is to get things back. And I think if that's the attitude we, we get, we aren't actually being generous. We're just trying to invest and I don't know if you guys remember, but you've seen Jesus' view of trying to make money in church. It's very clear. And that's not what we're about. But where it, sometimes it looks hard or it looks like being generous might be too much, there are promises all the way through the Bible that we can rely on, we can believe in, and we can know that God has got our back. We can put aside the fears, the things that keep us small, that hold us back and closed in and not open and generous to each other. And we can lay them at God's feet because we know that He will provide for us. And it's throughout the Bible, but I'm just going to read the next verse from Paul in 2 Corinthians. And it's uh, 2 Corinthians 9 verse 8. And this is one of my favourite Bible verses across the Old and New Testament. And it reads, And God is able to bless you abundantly so that in all things at all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. And I was thinking about unpacking this verse and going through it but I don't think it, I need to. I think you guys can see it. It's pretty straightforward. I'm just going to read it again, nice and slow. And God is able to bless you abundantly so that in all things, at all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. Let's pray. Dear Lord Jesus, I thank you again that we can come and meet together. I thank you for this new year, an exciting new year. And You've got so much in store for us as a church and a community. And Lord, I thank You that we're being reminded 
of our values, the things that we are doing, but also the things we're striving to do more and more. Lord, I thank You that we we can belong. We can belong first to You and then to this community, Lord. I pray that we sort of extend that belonging to other people. We welcome them in, we bring them in. And Lord, I pray that we're a community that's known by our generosity. We're known as a community that forgives, that gives, that cares and loves more than anyone deserves because we know that that's what You want us to be, Lord God. And I just thank You for these wonderful people here. And we just praise You this morning. In Jesus' Name, Amen.